The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is Father John Zulsdorf. We welcome as our guest today Peter Kwasniewski and an article that he recently posted at LifeSite News about communion in the hand. Not long ago, surveys from the Pew Research Center uncovered that a huge number of Catholics do not believe in the Church's teaching about transubstantiation. This is so even among regular churchgoers. It seems to me that this could only be so among regular churchgoers, who are slightly more likely to have had a little catechesis maybe of some value, because they have seen with their own eyes for decades the lack of reverence shown by priests and congregants for the Eucharist. Rather, to turn that inside out, they have not seen much reverence shown for the Eucharist from priests and their co-religionists. Hence, because lex orandi, lex credendi, because the way we pray has a reciprocal relationship with what we believe, they just don't believe that under the appearance of bread and wine, we have Christ, whole and entire, body, blood, soul, and divinity. They see hosts treated casually, handled by anyone and everyone, literally handled, and they conclude that the hosts aren't that big a deal. They hear suboptimal music, see the cheap vestments, watch the sloppy ministry at the altar. They note the fact that everyone goes to communion to receive that white thing, without a single admonishment about confession from the pulpit, and they conclude that this just isn't a big deal. It must mean something else. And in fact, very many people have come to see communion time as that time when they put the white thing in my hand and then we sing a song. So communion becomes a sign of non-judgmental affirmation. It's a sign that you're in the club. And people can't possibly fathom that maybe you shouldn't receive it or mustn't receive it. If you don't receive it, well, there's something wrong. Or if someone doesn't let you, well, then they're judging you in some way, and that's bad because, after all, you're fine just as you are. Now, a major contributor to the plummeting numbers of people who believe in the Church's teachings about the Eucharist uh, has to be distribute, uh, distribution of Holy Communion in the hand. Or let's face it, there is a kind of a conga line style of approach. Uh, there's the gimme gesture of sticking your hand out. Uh, there's the fact that hordes of the non-ordained troop up to tabernacles and altars and take a hold of the sacred vessels. And uh, anyway, all of this diminishes what should be contrarily built up and augmented 
with all possible decorum and gravity. So, you can't really believe a huge... You can't blame a huge number of people for not believing. They just haven't been given what to believe. They, it hasn't been handed down to them. And, of course, the people who handed it down probably didn't hand it down, didn't have it either. Nemo dot quod non got, as we used to say. No one can give what they don't have. Now, at LifeSite, uh, there is a good piece by Peter Kwasniewski dated 26 November 2019. It's entitled, Debunking the Myth that Today's Communion in the Hand Revives an Ancient Custom. Now, that was one of the canards raised by the innovators, the false archaeologizing legitimization of a Protestant style of Holy Communion. Uh, back then, they said that in the ancient church, this is how it's done, and so that's how we have to do it too. Which, of course, entirely ignores the fact that over centuries, as our understanding of the Eucharist grew, so did the rites that we use surrounding the Eucharist. As we learned and appreciated more and more and more God's gift, we adjusted our practices. We abandoned one way and went to another way. So when we see a backsliding to communion in the hand, we know that something is not right. Moreover, communion in the hand as it is pushed today is not as it was in the ancient world. And this is why uh, Peter's article is very good. Now I'm going to read this article uh, by uh, Dr. Kwasniewski. You know, some of you don't have a lot of time to read, and some of you have a hard time reading. I get notes from people all the time thanking me for reading these things, maybe because they're a little, you know, sight-impaired, or they just don't have time, or they listen to it in the car, or whatever it is. And I think that this information deserves wide distribution. And you can always go to the site and print out the piece and hand it out to people, and I urge you to do this. Now, as you listen, uh, tune your ear for a few things. And uh, I'm going to also try to mark off the quotes uh, sonically in some way uh, so that you can tell uh, when I'm quoting and, and when I'm not. Uh, listen for the fact uh, that uh, Kwasniewski points out how um, the Eucharist was received uh, in the ancient world um, according to Cyril, the immense care that was emphasized. And he makes the point that I made a little bit ago, that it's as they, as they began to understand more and more how important this was, they adjusted their practices. That's the Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi thing. Then he goes on uh, to describe um, uh, using a, a passage from a book that hasn't come out yet. I'm really looking forward to seeing what this book is. A clarification about how the Eucharist was laid on the right hand and then not picked up by the other hand and put in the mouth, but a person would bow down deeply and take the host directly from the right hand. They wouldn't let their left hand touch it. Of course, we have a right hand, left hand distinction, which is very important. And, uh, and we need to, to think about that a little bit. Uh, they're really on to something. Um, Kwasniewski also uh, quotes from Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who is always uh, worthy. He explains how the Calvinist uh, Calvinists view the Eucharist and how our Eucharistic 
approach, our communion approach, was adjusted in conformity with the Calvinists. And so, since you know Calvinists treat their communion as if it were a symbol rather than a Christological reality, and, well, that's what's happening with us, too. Um, there is also uh, there are also quotes from a friend of Paul VI who affirmed that one of the goals uh, of some during the Second Vatican Council, um, or at least considering the Novus Ordo, was to conform it more to Protestant liturgy. And, of course, we have the, the great, uh, a quote from the great Klaus Gamber, that Catholics are now breathing the thin air of Calvinist sterility, a, really a devastating quote. Anyway, there's a great deal at stake here, and uh, Dr. Kwasniewski uh, underscores this, and he makes a, a plea at the end. Listen for this plea that he gives for people to begin receiving Holy Communion directly on the tongue and while kneeling. Okay, let's listen to uh, Dr. Kwasniewski's article, uh, which is entitled, Debunking the Myth that Today's Communion in the Hand Revives an Ancient Custom. Debunking the myth that today's communion in the hand revives an ancient custom. November 26, 2019, LifeSite News. Last week, on November 21st, the Feast of the Presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Cardinal Müller and Cardinal Sarah were present at the Abbey of Cloister Weltenburg in Bavaria for a pontifical mass followed by the presentation of Cardinal Sarah's latest book, The Day is Now Far Spent. In his comments, the Prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments returned to a favorite theme of many of his speeches and writings, the urgent need to recover a reverent manner of distributing and receiving Holy Communion. Like Pope Benedict XVI, Cardinal Sarah is a strong proponent of reception on the tongue by faithful who are kneeling. The consistent good example and lucid teaching on this matter from Pope Benedict XVI, Cardinal Arinze, Cardinal Cagnizares, Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Sarah, and Bishop Athanasius Schneider, among others, have led countless Catholics to return to the traditional manner of receiving our Lord. But what about the famous passage from St. Cyril of Jerusalem's mystagogical catechesis, used again and again to persuade Catholics that communion in the hand is an ancient practice legitimately restored by the Church after the Second Vatican Council? Coming up to receive, therefore, do not approach with your wrists extended or your fingers splayed, but making your left hand a throne for the right, 
for it is about to receive a king, and cupping your palm, so receive the body of Christ, and answer, Amen. Carefully hallow your eyes by the touch of the sacred body, and then partake, taking care to lose no part of it. Such a loss would be like a mutilation of your own body. Why, if you had been given gold dust, would you not take the utmost care to hold it fast, not letting a grain slip through your fingers, lest you be by so much the poorer? How much more carefully, then, will you guard against losing so much as a crumb of that which is more precious than gold and precious stones? We ought to note several things about this passage. First, the extreme carefulness that St. Cyril demands of the one about to receive the Lord himself, the king. Not a speck of the consecrated bread should be lost. That would be like a mutilation of one's body, a loss of something more precious than any created thing. It was, in fact, this very emphasis on the immense care to be taken toward the Eucharist, together with an ever-deepening appreciation of the seer magnitude of so divine a gift, that led the church over time to abandon communion in the hand, and to prefer communion directly in the mouth. This is a primary example of organic development in the liturgy, which follows the implications of an original belief or attitude until the external expression most perfectly reflects and inculcates that belief or attitude. Conversely, the artificial return to a much earlier but long since discontinued practice, and one that now, suddenly appearing in a very different context, carries with it overtones of casualness and lack of faith in the real presence, is a primary example of the error of antiquarianism, condemned in 1947 by Pius XII in Mediator Dei. Second, if we look more carefully at what Cyril describes, and combine this passage with other hints from antiquity, we can see that even when communion in the hand was practiced, it involved marks of reverence that, curiously, never accompanied its reinvention in the late 1960s. In a forthcoming book, Professor of Patristics Michael Fidrovich observes concerning this passage, it is significant that the Eucharist laid on the right hand is not then received by means of the less valued left hand, but rather directly by the mouth. What appears at first glance to be communion in the hand reveals itself on closer examination to be communion in the mouth, but with the right hand serving as a sort of pattern. Bishop Cyril's description shows that the attitude of the communicant is, then, not one of taking and capturing, but rather of reverent and humble reception, accompanied by a sign of adoration. In his best-selling interview, Christus Vincit, Christ's Triumph Over the Darkness of the Age, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who, like Fidrovich, is a specialist in petrology, goes into greater detail about the ancient ritual. The practice had a different form in ancient times than it does today. The Holy Eucharist was received on the palm of the right hand, and the faithful were not allowed to touch the Holy Host with their fingers, but they had to bow down their head to the palm of the hand and take the sacrament directly with their mouth. Thus, 
in a position of a profound bow and not standing upright. The common practice today is to receive the Eucharist standing upright, taking it with the left hand. This is something which, symbolically, the Church Fathers would find horrific. How can the Holy of Holies be taken with the left hand? Then, today, the faithful take and touch the host directly with their fingers, and then put the host in the mouth. This gesture has never been known in the entire history of the Catholic Church, but was invented by Calvin, not even by Martin Luther. The Lutherans have typically received the Eucharist kneeling on and on the tongue, although of course they do not have the real presence because they do not have a valid priesthood. The Calvinists and other Protestant free churches, who do not believe at all in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, invented a rite which is void of almost all gestures of sacredness and of exterior adoration, that is, receiving communion, standing upright, and touching the bread host with their fingers and putting it in their mouth in the way people treat ordinary bread. For them, this was just a symbol, so their exterior behavior towards communion was similar to behavior towards a symbol. During the Second Vatican Council, Catholic modernists, especially in the Netherlands, took this Calvinist communion rite and wrongly attributed it to the early church in order to spread it more easily throughout the church. We have to dismantle this myth and these insidious tactics, which started in the Catholic Church more than 50 years ago, and which, like an avalanche, have now rolled through, crushing almost all Catholic churches in the entire world, with the exception of some few Catholic countries in Eastern Europe and a few places in Asia and Africa. These words afford a backdrop for the disturbing admission made by one of Pope Paul VI's closest friends, the eminent French philosopher Jean Guiton. The intention of Paul VI with regard to what is commonly called the New Order of Mass was to restore the Catholic liturgy in such a way that it should almost coincide with the Protestant liturgy. There was, with Pope Paul VI, an ecumenical intention to remove, or at least to correct, or at least to relax, what was too Catholic in the traditional sense in the Mass, and, I repeat, to get the Catholic Mass closer to the Calvinist Mass. As a result, says eminent liturgist Klaus Gamber, Catholics are now breathing the thin air of Calvinist sterility. Reform of the Roman Liturgy, page 5. Moreover, as Bishop Schneider goes on to mention, and as he discusses at greater length in his book Dominus Est, in the early church, a communion cloth was, at least in some places and times, laid over the hands of recipients so that they would not directly touch the Holy Sacrament and any fragments could be easily gathered. The Byzantine rite still utilizes such a cloth, held under the chins of those who are receiving in their mouths from a spoon handled by the priest. Some traditional parishes retain the use of a housling cloth that covers the communion rail. While the invention of the handy communion pattern renders the housling cloth no longer necessary, 
Traditional Catholic churches and chapels often retain it as an additional reminder of the sacredness of this Eucharistic banquet and as a symbolic link between the people's reception of the Lord and the cloth-covered altar of sacrifice on which the divine victim has been offered. It underlines that they, like the priest, are partaking of a mystical sacrifice. In short, the ancient record bears witness to beliefs and attitudes that would, over time, develop into the long-standing traditional communion practices of both the Latin West and the Byzantine East. In the West, communion on the tongue, kneeling, is the natural and suitable result of St. Cyril's Eucharistic piety. The attempt to turn back the clock to antiquity, and it antiquity moreover deceptively misrepresented and fictitiously reconstructed, is, in the end, nothing but a Trojan horse for Calvinistic sacramental theology. What is at stake, therefore, is precisely those distinctively Catholic doctrines that a recent Pew Research survey indicates are rapidly eroding, even among those who still attend Mass. Cardinal Sarah, Bishop Schneider, and many others are pleading for a restoration of a traditional practice that emerged out of and reinforces the Catholic faith. Will other church leaders pay heed? At the very least, right here and right now, every layman and laywoman can make a firm commitment for the glory of God and the sanctification of their souls, always to receive our Lord kneeling and on the tongue, at any and every Mass they attend, anywhere, at any time. That was Peter Kwasniewski at LifeSite in a wonderful article of 26th November 2019 called Debunking the Myth that Today's Communion in the Hand revives an ancient custom. Uh, he quotes in there, of course, St. Cyril of Jerusalem's mystagogical catechesis, which is trotted out all the time in defense of communion in the hand. And uh, in uh, the article on the website, he actually gives the uh, citation there in a footnote. It's the Mystagogice Catechesis 521, and he cites the edition and translation that he uses. Um, this is important for all of you who are involved in sacramental preparation of first communicants or who are in adult education or who are involved in liturgy in your parishes and so forth. When you hear the St. Cyril of Jerusalem quote from the mystagogical catechesis about making your left hand a throne for the right hand as if you were about to receive a king and receiving the body of Christ that way, and even 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 if they try to stress, well, even Cyril says you have to be really careful because it's even more precious than gold dust and you never let any gold dust get through your fingers, so how much more careful should you be with a with a host as if you know this is a, a defense of 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 communion the hand not being a you know a risk for, for profanation. When you hear that, you now know that the way that people are instructed to do it today is then, you know, to pick it up with 
your other hand and put it in your mouth is not at all what it was what was done in the ancient world that picking up with the other hand especially the left hand which he stresses which is really important and putting in the mouth is the act of taking rather than receiving and it's something that would have horrified uh, the early church fathers I I believe that wholeheartedly especially having read patristics as I did uh, for many years as a matter of fact uh, Athanasius Schneider and I were at the Augustinianum the patristic institute in the same time in uh, in Rome in any event uh, this is important uh, especially for those of you who are forming anyone in how to receive the Eucharist for First Holy Communion. You're going to hear all sorts of things claimed about the way it was in the ancient church, and almost everybody gets it wrong. And by getting it wrong, the implications for our belief uh, are devastating. They have been devastating for years. Just look at the numbers from the Pew Research Center. Just look at liturgical practice. Just look at the plumbing, plummeting demographics in the church. A lot of this has to do with the way that we treat the Eucharist and our outward rites. Remember, we are our rites. There's a reciprocal relationship with how we behave ritually and what we believe. If we believe a certain way, we will express it outwardly with a certain kind of ritual. If we practice certain ritual worship, we will come to believe certain things, the things that are underscored by those rites. We are our rites. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, please pray for me as I will for you.